Say your prayers, little one. Don't forget my son to smoke cigars with everyone. On this episode, we smoke the M81 Blackened Drew Estate Metallica collab, and we pair it with the Blackened American Whiskey. I will not call it bourbon. We'll talk about why later. Batch 136. I've got the bottle open, and I am ready to get drunk this morning. Welcome to the show. Burn Line Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. And welcome, everybody, to Burn Line. I'm your host, John Thacker, Jr. Are you going to have to pay for us sampling that, the, be- the song in the beginning there? I'm Nick, by the way. Hi, Nick, by the way. I don't think so, because somebody would have to recognize it as, like, actually being music. It sounded great. <laughs> it sounded really good. Well, you know, I, I kind of missed my calling as a rock star. It's All right. It's never too late. You got this. It is never too late. Um, we are smoking the M81 Madeira to the Core, blackened by Drew Estate. We are smoking the 6x52 Toro. And I think we have three Vitolas in the shop here. This one retails for ten seventy-five. A box of twenty is two fifteen. And uh, a little bit about the presentation. So I really like the presentation. The uh, box is piano black, so it's not high gloss. It's not it's not uh, matte. It's piano black, and it has copper accents, which is I think super cool because you know black and gold is Nice, but kind of overdone. Would you call that copper or bronze? Now that you, I, I mean, was, like, I was I'm not say, a me- metallurgist, but I would say based on like the reddish hue, yeah. I would probably call it copper. Because I was um, gonna say I was gonna say bronze until you said copper, and then I was like, oh wait, is it copper? Yeah, I mean, but fresh polished copper, not like old green copper. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, either way, I'm not super familiar with bronze to be honest with you, but um, I think it is a great presentation. There's one thing, though, that throws me for a loop, and I hold it against Drew Estate because it really bothers my OCD. And if you look at the cigar, it has a medium brown, moderately oily wrapper, which uh, is fairly attractive. This is Mexican San Andres Maduro leaf. It has a footband that says M81 Maduro to the core in copper just like the box and you already know what i'm gonna say next nick the the footband is slightly off it's it's on it's misaligned is that what you're gonna say no oh my footband's misaligned yeah yeah which which would also trigger my yes that that is a little triggering no the main band which is a a narrow eight millimeter band uh says blackened in white text (laughs) should be copper it should be copper because everything else here is copper. Gosh darn it. So, yeah, that really uh, that really bothers me. That's the only, to me, that's the only strike on the presentation. I see that your footband is out of alignment, and I agree. Uh, that is just annoying. Um, these are the kinds of silly things that cigar smokers like us care about. For all of you uh, cigar makers out there, this is the kind of bullshit you have to put up when, when you're putting your product together. But missing out on the color of the text on the main band. I feel like that's a huge miss. And you get the strike through there too. The Yeah. Uh, there's like a black strike through yeah. through the word blackened. Yeah. 
And I love on the foot band, you have this uh, texture. Um, it's one of those uh, like triangular uh, square, almost looks South American design. Like Aztec. Yeah, a little Aztec-y. Yeah. Um, I love the texture. The box has a unique sort of lid that has sort of a two-thirds and one-third hinge open. And it hinges like into a presentation. So the one side comes up and on the obverse says blackened by Drew Estate with the, the bridge logo in copper. And then the other side has the basically contents, size, you know, wrapper, Mexican San Andres, binder filler, M81 Toro, etc. And then when you fold it over, it folds all the way down to be like a facing has the same thing that's on the outside, on the inside. Um, and it turns into a beautiful presentation box. Uh, we will, of course, rate this cigar with our cigar rating system that includes presentation. But so far, super impressed, uh, except with the white lettering on the main bed. Will you read the little blurb that's in the bottom left corner of the, the front, the front one-third? Yeah, it's really cool. Risen from the fiery volcanic earth of Esteli, Nicaragua, a masterfully crafted Maduro by the torcedores of La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate. Just a nice, like, like, these are little things, like little touches that they add. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they didn't have to do it. Didn't have to. But it's nice. I think it It's really, really like uh, Metallica poetic kind of, you know. It, it is. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is a, um, I think like the branding kind of goes with Metallica, right? They, they thought that part through. Um, but the presentation is just killer. I, I really like this. Um, it doesn't have to be. And one thing that I appreciate is that it is not Metallica branded, right? It, seal, it says Hetfield Dietrich Drew, which Dietrich is actually the whiskey guy. Um, Hetfield is the Metallica guy. Metallica frontman, right? And Jonathan Drew, of course, yeah. Drew Estate. Yep. Um, you know, so it's got their names on it. And, and that's about it. And of course, it. It's blackened, which, you know, is the name of a Metallica song. And it says M81, which stands for Metallica 1981, which is when the band was uh, first formed. And the poor Midwestern Hetfield stumbled into L.A. and met the rich Danish uh, Lars Ulrich or Danish or Swedish or Honduran, something like that. Um, So (laughs) I think it is about time for the official cutting of this cigar the wrapper on the blackened m81 maduro is san andres mexican maduro the binder is connecticut broadleaf maduro and the filler is nicaraguan and connecticut maduro so this is maduro through and through triple layer maduro and your official cutting we remind you as always to clip your cigar with authority no limp-wristed clipping allowed. And bang that shtick on your hand. And bang that shtick on your hand. So we're in the part of the show where we are holding our stick in one hand and banging it against our other hand. It's a very intimate experience. This, I mean, it, I was so shocked. I can't get over it. Every time it works. Yeah, and it actually increases like your cigar smoking enjoyment yeah. significantly. Like, once you start doing it, you can't go back. No. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. So these cigars are properly prepared, and it is time for our official lighting of the cigar. 
And I haven't decided if I'm going to use my triple flame electronic jet or my soft flame butane. I think I'm going to go with the jet. Mr. Nicholas, what are you using? I'm using Drew Estate uh, stamped, Drew Estate logoed cedar. There you go. Cedar lining. John's going to be halfway through a cigar and he's going to say, and Nick's still lighting his cigar. Like a caveman over there. (laughs) All right, let's give these things a toast. And as always... Here at Burnline Podcast, we remind you, toasted not roasted. Toasted not roasted. Toasted not roasted. Toasted not roasted. It's toasted. I get it. So I'm interested in how yours lights. Because the primary, I guess, factor that affects lighting and keeping the cigar lit is the priming. Right. Yeah, but lower the, primings burn better. Generally, right. higher primings tend to burn a little more unevenly and more flaky. Right. But the finish also affects that. And this being all Maduro leaf, you know, Maduro is aged the longest and typically has a higher oil to water ratio, uh, which does affect the way that it burns. I think uh, a mistake I make sometimes, sometimes is um, double sometimes is not lighting the cigar thoroughly enough with cedar. Mm. I think that, oh, yeah, it's done. 75% of it's cherried. I'm, and then that is, in fact, not ready. Right. Well, I uh, have my cigar going, and uh, Nick is rubbing two rocks together to make a spark, so he'll join us uh, sometime next week. John, you seem it seems like you were very excited to to enjoy this experience uh, mm-hmm. of the the M eighty one and the the whiskey, right? Not bourbon. Yeah, we we will get into the uh whiskey in a minute. Uh yeah, really excited. And one of the reasons is, you know, and it's it's partly I guess my age, a uh, huge Metallica fan. Um, you know, it's hard not to be a fan. If if you like you know, hard rock. How can you not be a fan of a band that like invented the electric seven string? You know, like they're they're making concert quality music. They understand music theory, but they're using it to produce amazing, ballsy, makes you want to go out and commit homicide songs. And uh, I've been a, a fan since I was a little kid. You know, I've got that uh, imprint in my psyche, and. Uh, you know, it's like validation that Hetfield likes cigars and actually made his own. You know, that's like something I would like to do. Um, so, you know, because half of these musicians, like, they pretend they're badass, but then, like, secretly in the background, they're, like, eating tofu and, and drinking, like, soybean water or something, you know. And it's like, no, here's some guy who's like, give me a rare steak and a fucking Maduro on Maduro on Maduro cigar and a whiskey and let's hang out, you know. Nothing wrong with uh, being vegetarian. It's just optically contrary to the the metal lifestyle, right? No, there's everything wrong with that. We oh evolved gosh. to be omnivores, um, which is why we have essential amino acids, because our body no longer produces them, and uh, we have to acquire them through eating meat. So anyway, um, now that I have alienated all of our health-conscious listeners... So, yeah, really excited about, uh, 
you know, trying this out and pairing them, you know, I'm sure they can be enjoyed separately. Um, do you need do Do you need help over there? It seems like you're having trouble building your campfire. I'm doing really well. Okay. All right. Just, just why don't, why don't w- you sing some more? Would you like me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> would you like me to uh, tell you how it tastes while you're uh, wait, waiting to puff on it over there? Yeah, I'll enjoy it through you. <laughs> go, go for it. Vicarious cigar yeah. smoking, brought yeah. to you by Burnline, the ultimate vicarious experience. Mm. Well, it's giving off plenty of smoke. And uh, we'll give you a chance to sort of burn yours down a little bit, you know, before we share tasting notes. Um, So we are smoking the 6x52 Toro, as I mentioned. Um, And what I've got so far is a pretty good burn line. There was a, a vein nodule about three millimeters from the end of the foot where I lit mine. And so you can see there's just that little flaw in the burn line, uh, which always happens when your veins branch out. Um, the rest of it is burning very well. It's uh, not a finely finished cigar, but it's also not rustic. Um, it's a, I think a, I think it's a Chevy Camaro of cigars. Right, like it's not fancy like a Porsche, but it's not plain like, oh, I don't know, a 2002 uh, Toyota 4Runner on a three-inch lift with 35-inch mutters. You know, like I drive, like the one parked out on the front <laughs> curb out there, on the curb out there. Yeah, yeah, right on the curb, like actually on it. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I can. Yeah, sometimes I have to establish my dominance in the parking lot. You know make sure everybody knows um the construction so far is pretty good i'm looking at you know i'm looking for the seam on the uh wrapper and it's kind of it's like hard to find you know like mine is wrapped pretty well um i have this weird up up here yeah that's interesting the the coloration is a little different is it a different leaf is it a cap leaf it looks like uh, the difference is, comes before the cap. Interesting. Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a contrast on the cap leaf, but you can see where the the wrapper leaf, you know, comes up under the cap or whatever, and where that part of the leaf overlaps the other part of the same leaf on the wrapper. Uh, there's an interesting contrast there. It looks like a surprisingly uh, like smooth, fragile leaf. Sometimes, you know, Mexican San Andres is like a thicker a thicker leaf. This one looks pretty fine. So this was a, a very highly anticipated cigar when they announced it, that it was going to come out, and obviously with the whiskey as well. Um, Drew, Drew's been running, Drew Estate has been running events, blackened events. Um, we got a lot of cool swag at our event in the Gettysburg store. Uh, That's right, yeah. But, yeah, we sold... Boxes and boxes. It was like a couple hundred yeah. black in that night. Yeah. Yes, uh, for those of you that are wondering, because it is a Drew Estate product, uh, this is not an infused cigar. This is a regular cigar. Um, or at least I should say it's not infused. I don't think it's regular because Maduro on Maduro on Maduro is not regular. That's, uh, that's pretty rare. 
So we've got uh, a few puffs in. I'm, I'm probably uh, six millimeters, six to eight millimeters in. I guess that would be seven, huh? Six to eight is seven, yeah. I'm seven millimeters in. Um, would you like the decimals? What uh, what are you what are you getting off of this? Oh, that was my ring hitting the underside of the table. I'm all I'm wearing my rock and roll outfit, you know. Yeah, you're all jewelryed up. Yeah, I'm all, all jewelryed up, man. I'm I'm excited about this, bro. Yeah. Uh, this is sweeter than I remember. This cigar is sweeter than I remember. It was very. Uh, it had a very strong charred taste the first time I smoked it. Mm-hmm. I did smoke it in a Corona. Mm-hmm. I think they do a 543 is the small 543 is the smallest size that they make this in, and it was like uh, like blackened chicken, blackened tuna. That was the predominant taste. Or that after the blackened aftertaste was the predominant taste to me. You know, coffee beans, real dark, uh, non-sweet, non-woodsy, non-earthy, just real burnt, but not a bad burnt. Like a char. Yeah, char. But this one, this time around, is sweeter than I remember. So, starting off with the first couple of puffs, first of all, there there is a definite, to me, a definite meaty component. Um, if you were talking about, like, blackened redfish or blackened chicken, um, it's not quite a red meat, but it, is, it definitely has, like, this meaty flavor to it. So, that's there uh, and noticeable. Um I would say that the predominant taste for me starting the cigar out today, if you took some Lincoln Blockade coffee by River Bottom Roasters and you added a teaspoon of sugar to the cup and then you poured it back into the coffee pot and left the burner on overnight, that's what I'm tasting. It's burnt sweet coffee. That's the predominant taste. There's also leather in there. Um, and what I'm calling loam, like it's not quite, it's not earth like dirt, which you would kind of expect from a Mexican San Andres uh, wrapper. They they tend to have a very earthy, dirty uh, flavor, but more like loam, which is you know a lighter, peatier type of soil. Weirdly enough, uh, because you mentioned the the blackened words in white, it looks excellent. In contrast to the band, the rest of the band, the wrapper and the white ash. Yeah, it does. It actually looks pretty superb. It looks good. Yeah, that's a great presentation. It looks better. The main band looks better without the foot band. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, really, it almost looks like the ash got carried up to that black band. Yeah. yeah. And says blackened. I love it. Mm. Yeah. I'm getting good smoke output. I would call this a mid mid-strength. Um, we'll see if it picks up as we go along. Surprisingly, I'm not tasting any spice. I don't have any uh, spice in there. I think this is like a... Um, this is similar to me to a... Um, hmm. You know, like a... Like a steak... That's what this is really like. Like, you know how when you cook a good steak, it has a little bit of a sweet flavor, a little bit of a meaty flavor, yeah. a little bit of a... But it's, you know, when we when we say blackened or charred, like, it, 
it is nothing at all like Kentucky fire cured, you know, smoky uh, charcoal. No, nothing like that. It's, it's like a gourmet. Yeah, it's the hint of yeah, right. It's like a well, well integrated. Uh, yeah, burnt. Yeah, like the, like burnt's the worst word for it. it right, right. But it's also uh, like not inaccurate. Yeah, um, yeah. Burn has a connotation that it's negative. This is not a bad taste. Yeah, I mean that's what fancy chefs do, right? They burn your food and they call it charred. Uh, no, but it really it does. It reminds me of a steak, like the the way the flavors are going together, and I'm I'm really uh, enjoying it so far. We'll see uh, kind of how it burns burns along. So a little uh, pop Metallica trivia for Nicholas McCann. Jeez. In what year was Metallica founded? Because you gave the answer, I think earlier in the podcast, 1981. Yeah, like it's right on the box. 17, so. 1781? Uh, no, 1981. 1981? Uh, off by a couple centuries. But, uh, and uh, can you name at least two of the founders? James Hetfield and a guy named Lars from Sweden or Denmark or Honduras. Lars Ulrich. Ulrich. It kind of sounds like a South American name. I, yeah. I, think, I think he's Panamanian. Um, and then, of course, there's what? Uh, shit, I forget. Anyway, uh, so as you can tell, we're we're like deep hardcore metalheads. And the Napster music streaming service. Yeah, like he's the one that basically shut it down. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, what a dick. That was after they went all corporate and released songs like Fuel, which it annoys me that I really like that song because it was like in that little 1990s. Hey, let's like let's like uh, sort of hop on the Pearl Jam Creed bandwagon, you know, or whatever. Uh, but they found their music again, so tip of the hat. Uh, and Saint Anger. That was another one that came out of the corporate years. I'll give you three guesses. You can try and guess my favorite Metallica song and the only Metallica song I can name. Um, I'll give you three guesses, and I will buy you a certain box, not box, certain single stick of The God of Fire, if you get this right. Okay. Three guesses. Uh, Ride the lightning. No. Damn it. It's a it's a longer song in time length. One. Yes. Ha ha! Got it. Hell to the yeah! I mean, that's a really good song, though. I love I that mean, song. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. Like they put they produced real music. You know, you might not like the genre, but. You know, this is not your fucking three chords auto tuned bullshit that they put out nowadays and call rock and roll. Yeah, it's it's quite excellent. I mean, you could literally like a symphony could play these these songs. You know, yeah, there is you know thoroughly uh, musical talent ingrained in there. They're using like seventh suspended chords and stuff like that. You know, yeah. like real shit. Have you seen them live? Oh, that's fucking awesome. Have yes. you have you seen them live? Yeah. Is it cool? Um. It, I mean, it was super cool. It was like a, a, you know, bucket list type of thing. It was down in Houston. Um, it's just uh, the the everything around it really sucked. Like the traffic in Houston is just shoot me in the head awful. And then we get there and there's like some cool people, but then there's a bunch of retards that are like, Jesus. you know, 60-year-old, you know, rockers that are like, you know, probably taking substances they shouldn't and trying to sing along. And I'm like, no, let them sing. Let them sing. You're not good at this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of typical 
it was a little sanitized. You know, it wasn't like it, I think it would be cool if it was like out in a field somewhere. It would be a little more like you know of a metal experience. Right. This was like a really nice, expensive arena, and like you know, and all of that. Like, so it 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 did kind of miss that uh, like raw edge metal kind of experience. This was more like. Hey, everybody that likes our music is now older and has a lot of money, and we're going to take it from you. Um, I was going to say, look, if you see the Red Hot Chili Peppers now, you're not going to get. I mean, they're going to try and give you the same energy. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah. you're looking at the stage and you're like, these guys are 55. Why but are they I, doing this? I think that, um, and this was a few years ago, but I think Metallica brought the energy. Um, I, that was the best part. Like the the music and and the show on stage was fucking awesome. And Hetfield, he's still doing, you know, sliding on his knees and all that. I mean, it was freaking awesome. Unfortunately, like, the stuff surrounding it was a little bit, you know, like, I probably wouldn't go again because it was such a pain in the ass, but it, 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 it was worth it for once. Did they have, like, a, I don't know, like, a, uh, I don't want to say costume, like, like, Kiss? Did they have, like, a go-to? Like, it seems like, like a lot of leather would be in their wheelhouse. Yeah, they were, they were wearing, like, jeans and, uh, like, a, one of them had like a, it was like a cutoff leather shirt with fringe or maybe a vest. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. You know, like I'm looking at I'm looking at this guy in my head right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, like like totally. When when that like biker rocker thing comes to mind, like that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, I gotta say though, like Hetfield with his short hair, I think he looks like more badass and more metal than when he had his long hair. You know, for whatever reason, maybe it's his face shape or something. But he looks like a guy you wouldn't want to roll up to, you know, in a dark alley, which is, you know, kind of cool because he's really just a pussy musician. So, All right. So uh, we have some tasting notes from this M81. Um, it is I'm about an inch in. It is definitely a mid strength. Um, I might might be getting a little bit of something out of the spice rack on there. It's not spicy. It's not peppery, but there's something in there. Paprika or something. Other than that, it hasn't really changed. Um, it sort of tastes like chewing on a a charred uh, filet mignon so far. And uh, let's take a look at this whiskey. So I've got this blackened whiskey, and they, they call it uh, American Whiskey uh, on the website. And this is a uh, bourbon type of whiskey finished in black brandy casks. Uh, which is an interesting choice. Uh, brandy is a spirit that is distilled from red wine. And I think that brandy is the best uh, spirit to actually pair with cigars. Um, it brandy is uh, different than cognac? No, cognac is brandy okay. that has been distilled from grapes grown in the cognac region of France, and it okay. has to be distilled in the cognac region of France. And that is why I am not calling this blackened whiskey a bourbon, because while you can technically call anything a bourbon, you cannot call it a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, unless it has 51% corn in the mash bill and is, of course, from Kentucky. This is not from Kentucky, so I'm calling it an American whiskey. But I think that the choice of finishing it in black brandy casks is very interesting. This is a 750-millimeter bottle on the band around the cap it says batch 136 which is a cool touch it really probably doesn't mean anything um but it's a cool touch it gives it like that you know small batch flavor you know like this is a 
bespoke, uh, you know, custom whiskey instead of what it is, which is mass produced. There's a lot of this whiskey. They say you're special. Here's your number. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very accessible, right? Uh, this is not a cigar that you have to like find online or something. Uh, you know, I'm sure you do if you live around the globe, like our global audience that's listening to our podcast does. Shout out to all the South Koreans. South Korea, whoop, whoop. Nice. Uh, it is a 750 milliliter bottle. It is 90 proof, which uh, is a little bit higher. Like your your industrial strength, what I call industrial strength, uh, whiskeys are typically 80 proof, you know, 40% alcohol. Uh, so this is a little bit higher. The bottle, I think it's really sharp because it's, it's a straight cylinder. There's no taper. There's no bow, no concave or convex. It's a straight cylinder, and then it's almost just square across the top leading into the cylindrical neck. Um, so it's a unique-looking bottle. And then it has uh, what almost looks like uh, the audio waveform. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, for... And maybe it is. That would be a cool story. Yeah, like for know? one of their songs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in black, and then with the white lettering blackened. Um, the only, I guess, uh, branding thing here is there's no copper. It's all white and black. Um, you could say that the whiskey is kind of kind of copperish. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's a sharp-looking bottle. And yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to sampling it and then also pairing it. The blackened on the bottle and the blackened on the main band of the cigar are the exact same. Yes, str- identical. Strike uh, through, white lettering. You just can't, on the cigar, you can't tell the uh, the music wave, the music wavelengths. Right. I don't see that branding on the cigar packaging, that, that sort of uh, you know music wave shape that's behind the, uh, behind the lettering. So we're giving ourselves a nice healthy pour in the uh, snifter glass here. Oh, I can't wait to do the take the take the whiskey in, blow the smoke out at the same time. Oh yeah, we whiskey. we learned all kinds of stuff our last uh, last pairing. So I'm going to go ahead and taste the. I'm going to smell the whiskey. And uh, for those of you that are not familiar with whiskey tasting, you want to smell it with your mouth open, and that just keeps the alcohol from sort of searing your searing your taste buds. So it has a uh, sort of a light fruity smell along with like that sweet corn that you sort of expect from like a, a bourbon type of whiskey. And uh, looking at the legs, it's uh, not very thick. I've got, uh, you know, some adhesion there, uh, but it seems to be a fairly light consistency. And I'm going to go ahead and give this, I guess I would call it medium gold. It really does have kind of a copper tone once you pour it out into a glass, which is kind of cool. Shout out copper tone sunscreen. Copper tone sunscreen. Hashtag not sponsored yet. Let's give this a sip. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. All right, so I brought some brought some air in and then uh, chewed it. And uh, it, it has like a... a base that is very sort of traditional bourbon. It has that honey and caramel, which kind of comes typically from the um, 
aging process with your 51% corn mash bill. Um, I think the uh, the surprising thing here is the finish on the swallow, like the aftertaste almost. Um, I would describe as apricot or you know dried peach flavor, which is which is interesting. So let me give this a second sip and see what else I can suss out. I was gonna say on the first one, I I didn't get a whole lot. I don't know if it's uh I gotta wake my palate up or if it's confused because I'm already smoking a cigar, but. I didn't get a ton from that, the first, a ton of like distinct notes. John's like super intently tasting this right now. Yeah, I would add um, there is a mint. It's not like spearmint. It's like, um, you know, if you had mint leaves drying in your kitchen and you walked past kind of thing. And then uh, that, that uh, what is that spice that's like? Maybe allspice or clove, one of those two. There's a little bit of that in there as well. So very interesting. Um, definitely a bourbon. I think the the black brandy finish is probably what's giving it like the dried fruit and clove taste, I would guess. Um, in your typical charred oak barrel, you're getting um, like a caramel spice you know, finish from, from bourbon. Um, and I think finishing it in the brandy cask is what, you know, kind of adds that extra flavor. You're, you're still getting, I'm still getting the caramel. I'm still getting the, you know, the oakiness, uh, because it is bourbon. Like it, it was aged in charred oak, but then it was finished in black brandy casks. And I, I think that's where like the, the, uh, fruit and spice comes from. It's like a nice, the, Whiskey's like a nice reprieve from the Maduro cigar. Yeah. It's yeah. A much different. It's they're not they're not similar. I would I would not say that the flavor profiles of the cigar and the whiskey are similar. I would say that they are um maybe not opposite, but competing. Yeah, I think that uh as we pair this, the big question is gonna be do these compete or do they complement? And I don't know if you remember the uh Cohiba Weller pairing, but uh, they were also uh, different flavors. But the Weller actually like completely changed the cigar. Like I would smoke that cigar with Weller all day. Yeah. Uh, without the Weller, the cigar was kind of a weird cigar. I think it had. I think it was competing with itself. The flavors were, so I don't know if the alcohol blunting my palate helped or what. Right. Um, but I think it is time to pair these. So let's do the uh, puff and then drink and then puff and then we'll do the the one where we slam it. Yeah. Kind of kind of see. Uh, yeah. Let's see what we experience here. So we're going to puff sip puff, and I am retrohaling this smoke. Okay, no more smoke in my mouth. Now I'm going to take a sip. And another puff. Interesting. Yeah, so for me, when when I took the puff and then the sip, for whatever reason, the puff significantly blunted the whiskey compared to when I was drinking it first. But then when I took the puff after, I think that the whiskey on the palate brought out a different, like, I think it made this cigar smoke more spicy. Yeah, wow, yeah. Yeah. I had the exact same experience. Yeah. 
So that's kind of cool. Um, and I'll tell you, here's why it's cool to me. So, you know, we're not uh, ready to kind of give our final verdict on this cigar, but being over an inch in so far, it is a one-note cigar. So it's not a bad note, but it's kind of like chewing on a charred filet mignon. That's how I would describe it. It has that sweet, but it's like the sweet of marbled fat, not the sweet of like sucking on sugar cane. And it's got the char of like a, a really hot George Foreman, not a char like a charcoal briquette. Um, and that sort of meaty flavor and a little bit of leather. But, uh, you know, leather comes from a cow too. So it's kind of like burnt cow. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it, doesn't cha- it hasn't changed so far. And uh, adding the whiskey into the mix, now all of a sudden I'm tasting like these spicy notes and... Uh, I I I think uh, I think that helped really. I don't think it helped the whiskey. Ironically, no. Oh, yeah, the, it it became uh, individually more obsolete. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the the whiskey really took a hit there. Yeah. Like all of the little nuances I could taste went away, but the cigar really enhanced all of a sudden. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's it's almost like the cigar overpowered the the whiskey, but not in a. Um, dominating way in like a Batman Robin kind of way. Yeah, it's interesting because it's almost always the other way around. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, but not here, man. This the, this cigar definitely like took the upper hand with authority pretty quick. Yeah, pretty cool. Oh, uh, do you hear? Do you hear about this bottle? They apparently blast Metallica music in the when they're in the barrels. Really, the entire time. Huh. That's what they. That's what the rumor was or is. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder if that like kills the yeast and bacteria or something that <laughs> increases angst. If you play Metallica in front of your house plant, it turns into a uh, turns into a devil plant and uh, Venus flytrap. <laughs> plant carnivore. Yeah, yeah, plant carnivore. So, all right, well, why don't we do the other tasting style? We're going to take a big mouthful of smoke and then we're going to slam. A shot of this whiskey and uh, last time that was super fun so i'm looking forward to this holy shit wow okay so the big difference here for me was uh the sweetness that came out when i did that yeah like there was a, a burst of really sweet on that that was cool what else is cool is i've got my cigar smoke in the snifter and it's like smoking this whiskey so that's awesome yeah, this will be interesting to see uh, how that turns out. Like uh, dipping a burnt steak in your bourbon. All right, I got to tell you about this. So they've they've coined the term sonic enhancement. Sonic enhancement is the process of using certain sound wave frequencies to affect the spirit inside the barrel. When applied properly, the sound wave actually causes the movement of the barrel and the liquid inside. This movement increases the interaction between the liquid and the barrel, resulting in a deeper penetration of the spirit into the wood. Interesting. I wonder if that's the sound form that, you know, forms the uh, label on the bottle. They have a, uh, let's see. Nice. So they have on the website, they have a link to Apple and Spotify, Apple Music and Spotify, of the, the 81 playlist. Nice. That they would play uh you know to these 
barrels. Um, yeah, 50, 15 songs. Serenade your whiskey. For whom the bell tolls. One's on there. For whom the bell tolls. Dream no more. Fight fire with fire. Disposable heroes. There are a couple of the songs on there. Interesting. Anything from the Black Album on there? Enter Sandman, maybe? Mm-mm. The God That Failed? Mm-mm. Of Wolf and Man? I the Beholder. I the Beholder, Cyanide. I Disappear. For Whom the Bell Tolls, Sad But True, One. Outlaw. Sad But True is on the Black Album. Yeah, Sad But True's on there. Yeah. Uh, I'm your truth telling lies. I'm your recent alibi. I'm your pain open your eyes. I'm you. See, like, Hetfield should give me a call. Like, I could totally go up on stage and rock it out with him. The Black and Burn Line podcast. The Black and the Burn Line podcast. I mean, shit, like, our colors are pretty close. Just need a strike through on the Burn Line and we're good. Hell yeah. So, I guess uh, our initial takeaway, I, I will say mine is that pairing this really elevates the experience for the cigar. Um, I'm definitely uh, getting more taste and flavor uh, and enjoyment out of the cigar. I I think pairing it kind of blunts the whiskey. I think if I wanted to like drink the whiskey and experience, I would just drink it uh, without the cigar. But uh, considering this is a cigar podcast, I'd say that's a pretty good, pretty good pairing, right? Yeah. Excellent. It's um, like they, I don't know. It's almost like they intended for these to be yeah. smoked, smoked and drank together. Yeah. I wonder what was finished first. I don't know. Or, or you know, it'd be interesting to know if the pro- process was simultaneous, right? Or right. Uh, you know, like they said, all right, we have the cigar now. Let's make the whiskey, or, or vice versa. It'd be interesting to know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely get more sweet and spice when I combine the cigar with the whiskey, and and I enjoy that because without it, and of course, I I smoked the cigar ahead of the podcast by itself. Um, and it's not like a fabulous cigar on its own. It's not bad. It's a good cigar. But also in the Toro, you know, you're two inches in, you know, in an eight-inch cigar, and you're tasting the same thing as when you started, and it's kind of like, you know, it's not bad, but I am a little bored at this point. Right, um, throwing the blackened whiskey in here definitely improves my experience with the cigar. Um, my burn is great. My ash is holding very well. I'm a. I am of the terrible habit that I don't ash my cigar ever. When it happens, it happens. So. Um, and sometimes it happens in my lap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. More often than not, actually. No, but that that is impressive. Um, I will say a couple of things there. One is the whiteness of the ash, right? This is properly aged tobacco. And, you know, as a Maduro, like, you have to age it a certain amount of time. Um, So I would expect that. You know, when you have the slightly greener, grayer ash, that that means there's more ammonia and stuff in there. Uh, Newer leaf. Uh, This is definitely. And and I've ashed my cigar, and uh, it's like white powder. Which again, that's a aged cigar. Uh, the the leaf has been aged quite a bit. It's uh, off gassed all of those uh, chemicals that uh, are present in the tobacco leaf. And yeah, both of our burn lines are great. The construction seems to be 
you know, really professional. And uh, that ash is impressive. I like that. I just I just took a photo with my iPhone 12, but the the oil um, yeah oil yeah. congealing right at the tip of the burn line yeah it's is beautiful wonderful it's beautiful yeah we got to start an Instagram or something we should talk about that um, yeah so the the wrapper is uh, delightfully oily it's not over oiled right uh, but it has enough oil when you look at it and like I said this is not like a super fine wrapper but it's definitely not rustic like you know they they put some effort uh into this and it it presents well and i think it matches like the branding you know and there's times even on this podcast where we've mentioned like the branding doesn't match the actual cigar very well yeah uh, in this case i think it all works together very well yeah i mean this is so far this has been a knockout experience truly i uh I think this is righteous dudes. So it's interesting. People ask me, what do I think of the cigar? And I've, I've told them from, from the second I smoked it, that if this is what they intended it to be, they did an excellent job. Right. Because I've noted that it's been a one note charred, you know, these, these sort of things. But if that was their intention, they hit the nail on the head. Oh yeah. If they, if they wanted three distinct transitions, right. They fucking missed the mark. Right. But right. if this is what they wanted to do, then it, this is a great cigar. And it's just, it depends on whether or not, if it's your palate. Right. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, if, if you're a Maduro guy, then this is going to be a, a an enjoyable smoke. You know, if, that, if that's the kind of flavor you like. Um, but I think pairing it with the whiskey is a great call. Yeah. And now I'm curious, like, so, you know, the finishing in the black brandy, to me, uh, definitely changes this whiskey I'm, I'm fairly familiar with bourbons and this has like a clove allspice and uh apricot or dried peach uh sort of flavor notes that you don't typically get with a bourbon and i don't know if that specifically is what's interacting with the cigar but once you pair these two the cigar takes on like a different life of its own um and and gets super interesting I would also recommend if you're going to pair them to go ahead and smoke a good inch of the cigar and get that flavor and coat your palate or whatever, and then see the difference, because um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm not too familiar with bourbon or whiskey, but I am familiar with red wine cask finished bourbons. Um, I have never heard of a brandy finished or brandy cask finish. Have you? Is this something that they do often, or uh, it's more few and far between? It's fairly rare. I believe Angels Envy is finished in uh, brandy casks. Um, I've seen some like sherry cask finished scotch. Um, now sherry is like a saltier, you know, it's it's not as sweet as a brandy. Um, it's To me, it's more on the salty side of the palate. Um, and it, so because of that, it it's actually a great finish for like a Speyside or a Lowlands scotch. Um, if you if you finish a Highland Scotch in sherry casks, it almost turns it into a Lowland Scotch, you know, or it gets it closer there. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm not a huge fan of that um, because you know if I'm going to smoke a cigar with a Highland Scotch, I want the Highland Scotch, you know. Which Otherwise, one? I'll just get a Speyside. Which one's Peaty? Peaty. Yeah. Well, really, the uh, the Lowlands is Peaty and the Islay. Um, the Islay though is the one that has the brine. 
you know, because it's a fucking island, you know. Um, that, so it's more salty. Sea feeling. Yeah. That yeah. coast. Yeah. It's like you took a bunch of seaweed. Like, uh, honestly, it's like you took a bunch of seaweed and threw it in your whiskey. That's what it tastes like and to me. wrung it out. Yeah. Yeah. And Lowlands kind of tastes like iodine, you know, like medicine. So I'm into that sort of thing. Lafrogue and, and Art Bag and stuff. Um, I know a lot of guys gravitate towards like the Highland Scotch, which is more fruity, you know. Um, but I like my medicine, so. What is it? Ardbeg has Wee Beastie? Uh, it's got some Wee Beastie. There's a, that's one of their lines, right? Uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe it's Kraken. Is there, do they have one called Kraken? Kraken is a uh, artificially colored rum. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm not a huge fan. It's, it's okay for a rum, but I, I, hate, I hate adding color to your spirits. And just like I hate adding flavor, you know, like I want it to be like aged and pick up the flavor, you know, like the natural old fashioned way. You know, don't infuse it. Don't, you know, fucking like cherry vodka or whatever. Come on, man. Like, not, not an 18 year old sorority girl. Not dissimilar to, you know, our preference in cigars. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't like infused cigars. Um, I was surprised that uh, I didn't hate that Kentucky Fire Cured. Like, I felt like there was a. Uh, th- there's an event where that's a cigar I would smoke, you know, like Campfire, you know, something like that. But probably not too often because it did wreck my palate. Like, I had to stop smoking for two days. You know, and like let my uh, let my palate recover from that. And you're you're a big fan of the state of Kentucky too, aren't you? Well, I uh, lived there for a while, yeah. and I'm familiar with um, the bourbon industry, and I like the industry. Um, definitely more familiar with bourbon than other types of spirits, which is kind of ironic because my uh, spirit of choice for pairing with cigars is brandy. Um, the benefit of brandy is kind of the the fruitiness and. Uh, you know, it's like it's distilled from red wine, so you so you have like all of the aspects of growing something in the ground. You know, that comes with wine, and then you have the distilling process. Um, but to to sort of drink it properly, you warm it up. So you, you you know, the brandy glass is designed to get maximum hand exposure to the glass. So a lot of brandy glasses don't have a bottom. And you cup it in your hand, and they're thin. They don't have, like, that thick bottom to the glass. And it absorbs the heat from your hand, and that releases, like, those floral scents and stuff. Weird. Yeah, so if that's you cool. like a colder drink, that's when you go to bourbon. Right. And so that's where, uh, you know, I take it a lot of the time with my cigar pairings because, you know, in the summertime, like, a warm alcohol is okay, but, uh, you know, 120 proof uh, cask strength bourbon with an ice cube in it you know like it's a little more enjoyable when it's 90 degrees and 90 percent humidity like it is in the valley here right sometimes so um is it that's yours i've seen you with one that's like a half circle with like a celtic cross on it yeah that's a uh uh brandy they sell here uh shit i can't pronounce it it's something french la douche or something like that all right, so we have had a chance to sample this M81 blackened cigar from Drew Estate. And in case we forgot to mention, we are bringing you the Burn Line podcast, not live from the hot box, the smoky back room where deals are struck and fortunes are made. 
at the Blanco Cigar Lounge, Union Cigar, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA. And it is a beautiful, uh, slightly overcast, uh, looks like it might start raining 82 degrees outside. That's a fine spring morning. And we've also uh, sampled this uh, blackened American whiskey, which uh, I really like. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually drinking the whiskey on its own. Um, I think the cigar really uh, takes authority here when we pair it, which is a little interesting because uh, it's often the other way around. Um, but I think I'm going to do some just straight drinking of this later on because it, it is an interesting spirit. Can you touch on the the Dietrich? The Dietrich. Apparently, he was with Makers, Makers Mark. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so I mentioned earlier our our uh, annual collab, you know, with my uh, W two employer. Um, that is with Makers Mark. So they have their private selection program, and anybody can do this um, if you have enough money. But uh, you know, Makers Mark makes a pretty pretty good uh, bourbon. Um, so Dietrich was with Maker's Mark and I'm, I'm not super familiar with like his life story or anything, but, uh, he's the guy that, uh, worked on this with the whole crew and apparently Drew and Dietrich and Hetfield, like they all worked together on all three. Um, the only thing that confuses me is like on the blackened bottle, it says a blend of straight whiskeys finished in black brandy casks. And then it says remastered by Dave... I can't read it because it's like a signature. Um, So I don't know who that is. Um, I did uh, my Google research and uh, I didn't actually find anything because on the Black and website it talks about Dietrich. So I don't know who this guy is, but uh, shout out because it came out pretty cool. So thank you, Dave. That's like that's like the forefront of the bottle too. I mean that's in. Yeah, it's like a signature, a, right? It's a right on the front of Independence, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's a John Hancock right there on yeah. the front of the bottle. Uh, Dietrich's name's not even on it, so I don't know what's going on there. Oh, it looks like unfortunately Dave Pickerel has passed away. Mm. Um, he was a, a legendary master distiller and blender and a co-founder of Blackened, but apparently, I guess during the process, he unfortunately passed away. That's a nice tribute to, uh, I guess, their friend, their dear friend Dave. Yeah, that is. Well, rest in peace, Dave. We appreciate the enjoyment and the spirit that you brought us, and uh, we will drink to your health. And I'm going to go ahead and get some more whiskey, because I enjoy the cigar better with the whiskey. Am I talking too loud? Have I had too much to drink? I don't know. Have I? I I guess we're about to find out. Yeah, Yeah, Whistlepig. So um, we are drinking the, the bourbon. They also make a blackened rye. And I guess it has green instead of black, which, you know, green is a traditional color for rye. I don't know why. A lot of people have green rye bottles. I don't like it. I think blackened should have a blackened fucking label. Um, but I haven't tried the tried the rye. For those that don't know, a rye mash bill has less corn in it and therefore is less sweet. Other than that, it has a, you know, similar profile to bourbon. Um, Whistle Pig is like the uh, Grand Poobah of rise and it has the price tag match it's definitely worth it um i would go to like a high-end bar where they serve it and get you your shot for 20 or 30 bucks and see if you like it um i like the old world the whistle pig old world is very good um 
And then if you like it, go ahead and pick up a bottle. But you, you know, you're not getting into a bottle of Whistle Pig for much less than two hundred bucks. Oh, wow. So yeah, wow. yeah, it's a uh, long aged and really delicious rye if you're into ryes. They, uh, so I guess the the rye, the limited, the black and rye was um, inspired by their album Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning. That's I get it. That's what it's called. Uh, yeah. Ride the Lightning. Yeah. But they have, they also have a, a black end collaboration with Willet. I don't know. Willet Distillery. Low Ride. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Willet. Uh, has a much, uh, I think, a much sweeter bourbon, so the Willet Pot Still Reserve, and it comes in that super cool bottle that's shaped like their pot still. Um, I I took one of those one time, and I turned it into a lamp. So in my day job, I work with glass. So I got a glass bit and drilled a hole in the bottom, and there's actually a slot on the side of the bottom of the bottle. And and there goes the ash. (laughs) Two and a half inches right between the legs. It was so big it made a splash noise on the floor. It made a splash noise. <laughs> that did. Um, so, But the bottom of this Willet bottle has a, a slot. And so I was able to run a cord under the bottle and it stays flat on the table. And through this hole and I ran it up uh, through the bottle and I put a uh, lamp socket on the top in a shade. And I sold it on Etsy for like... 350 bucks or something ridiculous. It's got to be the longest neck I've ever seen in a Yeah, it's cool, right? Bottle. Yeah. I'm like the who's the guy on Joe Rogan that Joe's always like, "Hey, yo man, can you like look that up and put it on the screen for us?" Mhm. Oh, well, well, and there goes my ash. <laughs> so, it's ashing well, but you'll notice like when the when the ash falls like it just falls to powder. And that's because the the tobacco has been aged, you know, long and appropriately. And I appreciate that, you know. Whether or not this uh, stick hits your wheelhouse, um, they did a good job on it. They aged the tobacco properly. Um, I'll say this. It's a Maduro wrapper. It's not the darkest Maduro I've ever seen. No, in color. In terms of color, it's not yeah. the darkest. Particularly for San Andres. Um, I've noticed that Mexican San Andres, um, if you age it the same length as like a Nicaraguan leaf, it gets darker. Uh, than the Nicaraguan leaf does by a, about a shade, shade and a half, something like that. Um, so that's good. Like it's not an oscuro, and they didn't overdo it. Um, like weirdly, weirdly light for Drew Estate too. Yeah, it I'd is. Say Drew Estate has a, a breadth of facings, yeah, uh, and different wrapper colors. But like the T fifty two and number nine are quite dark. Right, like they're the, much darker than this. The yeah. original Nicarustica is very dark as well. So. They didn't, I don't know if it's like just the way that the tobacco turned out that they were like, oh yeah, this is good. We like it this way or, yeah. or not. But um, yeah. like, def- I mean, they, they have darker cigars in terms of color. Right, right. Yeah, like the entire Liga line is like two shades darker than this. I, I agree with what you said. Like if this is what they were going for, they fucking nailed it. Yeah. You know, this is like grabbing a filet mignon off of a, a very hot skillet and like chewing on it, you know. Um, I just, I, unfortunately, I wish I could get that through more of the consumers' heads in the industry. Is that they don't make cigars for you; you smoke the cigars that they make, that they like. Um, and so, like, be, you know, people are like, "Ooh, that's disgusting! Why would they release that?" Which I've never actually heard, but by some based on some of the reactions I've heard about the cigar. Right? Oh, I've said that about uh, 
Acids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Number one selling cigar. Are you kidding me? The fuck is wrong with America? Yeah, so no, it's a great point, and that's what is beautiful about the cigar lounge. And of course, uh, here at Union Cigar Hanover, we have a, a really excellent selection. I would almost call it curated, you know, with some great high end sticks like that God of Fire that you owe me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the Ashton, uh, what is that Ashton? The uh, ESG, the Estate Sun Grown. Yeah, the Estate Sun Grown. Yeah. Um, you know, your, your Padron selection, um, the Cohiba Red Dot in Nicaragua. You know, two Cohibas that actually smoke. But then also, you know, lower end and affordable, accessible uh, cigars. And you can just smoke your way around the humidor. You know, if you like it, buy a box. You know, if you don't, okay. Well, that one wasn't made for me, you know. And one of the things that I see cigar newbies do is purchase cigars online. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of that because I want to keep the cigar industry going. And I'm not going to do that buying online. So I'm I'm a big fan of supporting your local brick and mortar. But the other thing is you don't know the quality, you don't know the construction, you don't know how it was humidified or kept, and you don't know if you like it, right? And uh, typically you're not saving much if you're buying individual sticks, right? If you go to your uh, actual cigar lounge, you can look at, feel, you know, slightly squeeze the cigar, unless it's not wrapped in cellophane, and we talked about that in our etiquette uh, section a few weeks ago you know but but you can tell the quality of the cigar and if you want to smoke it but but then you can just smoke one and if you don't like it put it down and buy a second one you know and you'll you'll kind of figure out your palate as you go along yeah and you're gonna i mean you're gonna get uh you know the ability to ask someone else in person if they like the cigar or not yeah exactly right that's a that's a great benefit because um 99% 99% of the stuff that, that's written about cigars on retail, online retail websites is fluff. It is. And sometimes it's like literally copy and paste from the manufacturer's yeah. website. Which is like, you know, do your thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you're selling a million cigars a year. Like if you don't have the time to write 25 words about the cigar, mm-hmm. then, you know, whatever. But you just have to take it for what it's worth. It's not, it's not like a, you know. Nick McCann didn't sit in the lounge and smoke three of these and write that. Right, right. This was this is like a yeah, like a, a cookie cutter copy and paste uh, description of the cigar, and you know it might not be accurate to what you think it is, or it might not be helpful to you in your decision making right. process. Yeah, it's a press release. That's what it is. Right. It, it's typically press release. Yeah, and especially if you develop a relationship with your local tobacconist, you know they'll get to learn some of your profile. And and I've had it many times where I've come in and. Somebody said, hey, have you tried this one? You know, based on your buying habits, I think you'd like this one. And nine times out of ten, they nail it, you know. So that's a uh, another benefit that you get from working with an actual human, you know, in a store. Well, I will tell you, I definitely uh, feel much more rock and roll uh, with this pairing. I mean, I kind of want to go out and, like, burn a building down and, and maybe beat someone to death. So wow. I feel like it's doing its job. Um but now for something completely different. Let's uh let's play a little this or that. The Burnline podcast does not condone murder or harm of any other humans in any way. Thank you. Yeah, um our lawyers told us to say that. So Nick, you go first. This or that. Throw something at me. Oh man. Okay. Um Metallica or Black Sabbath? Jesus fucking Christ. You had to go there. Ah shit. Um I got to say Black Sabbath. I know it's heresy because we're like doing this whole collab thing. But uh, man, uh, yeah, 
I'm look, sorry. Be looking out for a Black Sabbath X Drew Estate collaboration coming oh, up. Oh, jeez. If Ozzy fucking got with somebody and did a cigar, oh, yeah. I'd be all over that, even though it's British. Okay, um, let's make this controversial. Chevy or Ford? Chevy. I, I like the... I don't know. I like the Camaro. I think I think Camaro over Mustang. And there you have it, folks. So if you want to come into Union Cigar Hanover and heckle Nick over his choice <laughs> yeah. of Chevy over Ford, um, you can find us right here in Hanover, Pennsylvania, and uh, feel free to give him hell. Are you? Uh, are you? Do you have a stance on iPhone or Android? iPhone. iPhone. Okay. Um, let's go. Uh, let's go cigar rated. So. Soft flame butane or torch butane? Uh, soft flame inside, torch outside. Physic- oh, good call. Physically, I like that. physically outside on, on yeah. the surface of the earth. Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's a good call. I like that one. I feel like you qualified your answer though. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not a. a I, oh, all right, soft flame. I'll, there you have it. I'll folks. eat the wind. <laughs> uh, straight cut or V cut? Straight cut all day. Straight cut or punch? Straight cut. Straight cut. Straight cut. Yeah, I'm I'm a straight cut guy. I mean, I can I can uh straight cut pretty much anything. Um you know, the a deep V cut is okay, but a lot of the caps, you know, weren't meant for it. And I think we had a podcast before where where uh maybe Keith deep V cut a cigar and it went past the cap Ooh. and it fucked up the cigar. Ooh. Right. But a shallow V cut, like I don't get the surface area. And I think the punch is like designed for a narrow ring gauge box cut or, or box press. I mean, yeah. and I will use a punch for that. I've got a flip out punch on this, uh, Perdomo electronic three jet that I often light up with hashtag not sponsored yet. Um, but, uh, that's about it. I mean, I can, I can get away with a straight cut on anything. I can't get away with a V cut or a punch on anything, right. so that's kind of why it's my default. Someone was making fun of me the other day. I can't remember who it was. Well, and I was doing my my cedar routine, lighting up a cigar, trying to enjoy my cigar. And someone said, "Oh, the blenders are making fun of you right now. The blenders in the factory are making fun of you right now for your because you're being so delicate with this cigar. They bite the cap and uh, like light it with a bick. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And so maybe you know, it made me think. Um, and I have bitten the cap off." of cigars before i like to rip if, if it's a larger pigtail i like to rip the pigtail off and just and not cut it after that and smoke it that way um yeah you can twist that pigtail right off and it yeah it just leaves a hole yeah, that's kind of cool they say that i heard francisco uh, francisco amante of dbl cigars say that they'll they'll put the pigtail in their mouth and chew on it uh, while they're smoking the cigar interesting yeah interesting yeah i know the some of the habits uh down south you know are really different from ours. And I was shocked when I was out there in Nicaragua and, you know, here's this guy who's like a uh, patron of the cigar world. And I, I won't tell you who it is, but he's got one of his cigars and uh, bites the cap off, pulls out a Zippo, sucks the flame right into the cigar and then puffs away. And somebody, you know, kind of made like a comment or whatever. And he was like, Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and I fucking cracked up. Wow. <laughs> fucking Sigmund Freud is ass. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I think we like uh, we love to romanticize the the cigar. We've talked about. I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast before. Like, this is a work of art. Yeah, like, I have yeah. like a tear streaming down my yeah. face. Yeah, and like these guys are down there. Like they they're like, all right, you smoke half of it, you eat the rest. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's like you go to France and they're just killing a bottle of wine at lunch and they're like, it's just wine. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we in America like our, our expensive uh, lifestyle vices for sure. We th- I mean, we think it makes us look cool. We think it makes us fit in with the rest of the world and that's okay. If you like what you do, keep doing it as long as it's not hurting anyone else. Speaking or of, speaking of lifestyle, I'm uh, thinking about starting a podcast called Babylon, and it Are would you? just be yeah, and it would just be like like a, all right, so B A B B L E space on or uh, no, like B-A-B-Y-L-O-N. the city of Babylon, yeah, like that, and it would just be like all about like you know Ferraris and expensive scotches and cigars and high end prostitutes, you know, and just like vicarious living. You know, for folks, you know, just Watches. to feel good. Yeah, yeah. Timepieces. Yeah. I've got my Martini Racing timepiece on right now. Let me see the face. Oh, that's oh, the, oh, the racing stripe. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's a little too big. I mean, it's good looking, but I'm not a small guy, and it kind of looks big on me. So I feel like it's not for everybody. Oh, what you got there? I have a Seiko. A buddy of mine gave to me for being in his wedding. You know, I have. Uh, the quartz version of this that my wife got me when we were engaged. She got it for me for Christmas. This is a Seiko 5, which is a very nice watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a similar one that's quartz, and uh, it's currently broken, and uh, my wife's going to get it repaired for my birthday, but it costs more to repair than, like, the watch cost. Yeah. Right. And they told us, that, like, it's just buy another Seiko. Yeah. Um, but it has sentimental value. Right. But what I like about this is the watch face is the right size. This is like a 38 millimeter, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. too big. It's not, and this watch isn't super flashy. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it, you know, metal band, very nice. Yeah, nice stainless steel, nothing too over. Like, you could wear that with a suit and be fine, but you could also wear it with, like, basketball shorts and nobody would bat yeah. an eye, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's very, uh, very nice. We got to get, there's a, a jeweler down the street here from us at Union Square Hanover called Garrick Jeweler. That a lot of our um, staff and customers hashtag not sponsored yet. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll give them a call this week and see if they want to do anything with us. Yeah, we should totally do that. Yeah, they've got a good reputation in the community. I yeah, know that for sure, especially for uh, timepieces. Yep. Yeah my uh, my collection's not as big as it used to be. Um, with my suit, I typically wear my Tissot Powermatic eighteen fifty three skeletonized watch with the carbon fiber face. That's Swiss. It's Swiss. It's about uh, five millimeters thick, so it's very svelte. Uh, my daily wear is my retired Seiko Pro Diver, which is black and gold, um, black and yellow, really. Yeah, very sharp looking, but the uh, warranty on the solar panel that runs it is seven years. So after seven years, I retired it from diving because I don't want to die underwater because my watch went bad and I'm misreading it. Um, so my replacement was a Bremont Supermarine S500 with the uh, blue band, and uh, that's a pretty sharp watch. So they, they made that watch, the the diver watch. Like, I've heard that term paired with the word watch, but they make it for people to dive underwater? Well, sometimes it's just a sales gimmick. Okay. Now, the Bremont Supermarine um, is ISO tested, um, and, you know, Bear Grylls wore one to go to the Arctic or whatever, you know, like you can actually, like, this is a real watch. It's not like, you know, not to, uh, disparage anyone, but like Rolex doesn't make watches that are actually designed for diving. 
you know, they'll call it a dive watch. Uh, they're Submariner. I, I would not wear it to dive. It's not ISO certified. Yeah. Um, in the name of safety. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's more of a, a dress watch that uh, is waterproof. Right. Um, Breitling's okay. It's it's similar. And then when you get into actual diving, you know, you got your nitrogen-filled watches for deep diving and, you know, actual divers. You know, it's kind of like runners. Like, they wear garments. You know, they don't they don't wear, like, Apple Eye watches or something right. because yeah. it's actually designed for what they do right. kind of thing. Yeah, the Eye Watch is pseudo-fit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, like casual fit. Right. Um, the Bremont, though, is an actual adventure watch. Um if you're uh, willing to break a six or eight thousand dollar watch, you know, um, but I like it, and you can wear it with a suit, and you kind of just look athletic. Um, you know, it's not a dress watch, but you can pair it with a suit because it's a fine watch. It's so interesting too because I like I you know when I start my day, I think about what I'm gonna do, you know if I'm working, I'm gonna I think about what you know my job will entail that day, and if it's like you know, we're putting together a new lounge, I'm moving furniture all day, right? I'm not bringing this Seiko Five out. Right, right. I'm like I want to protect this thing at all costs. Yeah. And so, but, but to dive or like to hike, I never would think to put this on, but they make, you're telling me they make watches like with that in mind. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And you know, some of your uh, professional dive watches, you know, you kind of can't wear them because they're designed to fit over a wetsuit or a dry suit. So the, yeah, the band is like an extra inch long. Um, they're big and clunky. You can read them underwater easily. You know, they you actually charge them with nitrogen because of the compression when you're underwater. Um, you know, that's a real dive watch. Like, you can't do anything but dive with it. That's so. awesome. That's really cool. All right. So, uh, I think it is time to rank this M81 Blackened Cigar by Drew Estate. We are smoking the 8x52 Toro, which is available here at Union Cigar Hanover for the low, low price of $10.75. And... Uh, we have our five dimensions of the cigar that we rank on a scale of one to ten. And uh, so why don't we go ahead and rank it on presentation. Uh, Nick, what are you thinking? Uh, we, hit it, we hit it at the beginning of the show. Um, gorgeous. I was with you on the, the primary, the main band being like weird. The, the, you know, the lettering is weirdly white. It's the standalone. But then as the ash kind of creeps up towards it, it, I mean, it looks phenomenal. And then you see the bottle and the lettering on there is white um, with the with a black background it just they i mean they knocked it out of the park i'm gonna give it you know a nine yeah i think that's a great call i give it a nine as well this would honestly this would be a 10 i think if the uh if the blackened was also copper um the the branding is just very well done on this i mean somebody put a lot of time and effort into this and that uh piano black color that's it's not gloss black but it's not like flat black either um outstanding so i will rank this a nine on presentation as well so let's talk about price this is an eight inch by 52 toro six. comes in at 1075 i'm sorry six inch by 52 toro eight inches would be a pretty long fucking toro um comes in at 1075 uh, nick what are you thinking uh and one word reasonable for sure reasonable it's not um underpriced it's not overpriced i think it's right where it needs to be and i'll give it an eight Eight for Nick on price. I also rank it at an eight. I think ten seventy five is very competitive. You know, cigar prices have gone up, and a sub eleven dollar cigar, you know, is uh, kind of where like a uh, sub nine dollar cigar was two years ago. Um, 
So I, th- I think it's competitive on price. Yeah, and looking at the you know looking at the retail perspective from it, you know a Toro for ten dollars is like my yeah for some reason in my mind that's just the yeah that's like the notch. So this yeah. is you know give or take seventy five cents, we're good. All right, and uh, moving on to construction, Nick. Uh, excellent, excellent construction. I had um, two uh, swaths of of ash. The second one is still on the cigar right now. The first one lasted two inches maybe and and fell to the ground um it burned well i touched it up one time uh very little uh running was going on um yeah this is an eight eight on construction for nick so i will say uh similar it's burning fantastic um i touched up my cigar once but that's because i was talking a lot and uh needed to touch it up and it caught right back up there's there's no canoeing. The burn line is great. The ash is great. And then one of the other things I look at in construction is, is there separation or air bubbles under the cap? And I don't have that as well. I'm going to give this a nine. Great, uh, great construction on my cigars. And uh, that brings us to flavor. So, Nick, tell us about the flavor. Uh, it's a 10. It's a 10 because I believe that they intended to make it taste like this. Um, with the you know thematically, with yeah, the, with the blackened yeah. bit, with the pairing of the the whiskey, I think that they tried, they set out to do something, and they tried, and they tried very hard to do it, and they did it very well. So it's a it's a ten. It might not be a ten to my palate, but as far as intentions go, absolutely ten. All right. Uh, so some notes on the flavor. The first thing I'll say is both cigars that I smoked have one flavor all the way through, and Nothing uh, necessarily wrong with that. I do uh, get bored, though, on a six-inch cigar that uh, doesn't have some change in notes as I smoke it. Um, I'm going to go with an eight on flavor. I think that I agree with you in the sense that uh, I think this is what they were trying to do, and it definitely has that, like, charred. And I'll say this. It did change initially. the, The meaty component was lighter. And it, but it turned into like a charred steak as I went along. But it's still like basically a charred meat flavor. So I will give it an eight on that. And then overall experience. And, uh, you know, if you want to distinguish between the cigar by itself or the cigar paired with the bourbon, uh, go ahead. But Nick, what are your thoughts there? Uh, for me, I think um, the cigar by itself sitting in a, in a room alone is a seven. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. I think it's... Like it's not, you know, it's not exactly what I want out of a cigar. Um, if we if we want to asterisk and say that with the whiskey, it's a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good call. Um, I had for experience a seven as well. Um, you know, it's a it's a good smoking experience, but uh, you know, I did get a little bored, and you know, it's kind of a one note cigar. Um, so I've got a seven there. It's like it's like if you love to uh, like sit by yourself and smoke a cigar, by all means, sit by yourself and smoke, smoke a cigar. But if you want to get together with a bunch of metalheads and smoke the cigar and like listen to Metallica and drink the whiskey, like I think you're gonna have a far better time. Yeah. So I've got uh, a total score of forty-one, and Nick, you have got forty-two, and we say no decimals, so this comes in at a forty-two, which is our highest ranking cigar so far. So. Shout out to Drew Estate and this collaboration. 
And as always, we thank you for joining us on Burnline Podcast. This has been the M81 Maduro by Drew Estate with the blackened whiskey. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you.